Anonymous sources close to the Trump administration have been telling major media outlets that they are close to the Trump administration but wish to remain anonymous. The sources tell journalists that sources in the FBI are telling journalists that they are in the know about investigations of the Trump administration that anonymous sources close to the administration are telling journalists they are in the know about. One knowledgeable source familiar with other knowledgeable sources told reporters close to sources in the know about the Trump administration that reporters had sources within the FBI close to investigations into sources in the know about the Trump administration. The source asked not to be named for fear his mother might find out he had used her phone to make a long distance call, whereupon she might force him to get a job again. Sources familiar with sources in the Oval Office say the office sources are anonymous, but in the know about conflicts within the Trump administration. The sources say that sources close to Steve Bannon tell sources close to Reince Priebus that Priebus is now on the outs with Bannon, who in turn is on the outs with Trump, according to anonymous sources close to Trump, who wishes to remain anonymous, but can't because he's president of the United States. Sources with ties to Capitol Hill met with reporters who wished to remain anonymous in the same parking garage where sources in the Nixon administration told reporters that Trump's firing of James Comey was the same as Nixon's firing of Archibald Cox, according to sources close to Comey who wished to remain anonymous. The sources in the parking garage then parked the reporters' cars and received a $2 tip from reporters who wished to remain anonymous, according to anonymous sources. Washington Post reporters now say intelligence sources close to the Washington Post tell anonymous sources that Trump revealed intelligence sources to the Russians, according to Russian sources close to the Washington Post sources close to their sources in intelligence. The story from the anonymous sources comes hard on the heels of a story from anonymous sources saying Trump fired sources close to Comey for reporting that Comey sources were investigating ties between sources close to the Trump administration and the Russian sources who wish to remain anonymous. The anonymous sources in the FBI confirm that the sources within the intelligence community are reliable, but wish to remain anonymous since the intelligence sources are anonymous. And why should they get to be anonymous if the FBI sources can't be anonymous? It's just not fair. The Washington Post confirms, however, that their sources are reliable, according to sources within the Washington Post, who wish to remain anonymous. The result of all these stories is an immense constitutional crisis that is sure to end with Trump's impeachment and the appointment of Hillary Clinton to the presidency, according to sources within the imaginations of journalists who wish to remain anonymous because they're imaginary. This is Mainstream Media News. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Claven, and this is The Andrew Claven Show. All right. Anonymous sources say Christian Toto of Hollywood and Toto will be here today to talk about the way the uh, that reporters protect lefty celebrities, which is really an interesting subject. He wrote a really interesting post about it. The mailbag is tomorrow, which means even as we speak, you should be subscribing to the dailywire.com so that you can send in your questions. We answer the questions. Answers are guaranteed 100 percent correct and will change your life occasionally for the better. So but you got to subscribe to ask the questions in the mailbag. And I just noticed recently that certain people have been writing me questions personally to me 
without subscribing, and then they expect these long, you know, yeah, forget it, forget it. It's eight crummy bucks a month. It's eight lousy bucks a month to subscribe. Indochino. I just I had not heard of this until we got this as a sponsor, but it is an amazing, amazing service. Right in the middle of L.A. in Beverly Hills, there's this little shop, and you walk in, and they measure you, and they keep all your measurements online. Or if you don't live in a place where they have one of these shops, you can you know have your spouse measure you and send your measurements in, and they will make you suits like what they call in England bespoke suits, suits that are just fitted exactly for you to make you look good, suits and shirts. And uh, at a price that is really way, way below what it would cost you to have it done by a tailor. It's just amazing. I mean, it is done by a tailor, but to have it done by the usual bespoke people. This is really good stuff for low prices. Makes it easy to get. It's really, it's fun. It's kind of fun. You go in and they give you this whole thing and you get to pick, you get to assemble your shirt. You know, like you don't just, you don't just get the shirt. You actually get to pick all the little different things. You go, you can do it online. You can pick your fabric. You can pick just anything about it. Choose customization, customizations of your shirt, lapels, uh, pockets, all the different things. And uh, and then once they have your measurements, of course, you just have to send in a, a request and they will send you more clothes. And and this week, my listeners can get any premium Indochino suit for just $379. That's pretty amazing, actually. Uh, yeah, a, a bespoke suit for $379 is incredible. That's at Indochino.com and you enter Clavin at checkout. K-L-A-V-A-N at checkout. That's really 50% off the regular price for a made-to-measure premium suit. I would say it's more than that in some places. And the shipping is free. It's Indochino.com, promo code Clavin, K-L-A-V-A-N, for any premium suit for just $379 and free shipping. An incredible deal for a suit that will fit you better than anything off the rack ever could. Let me tell you what's happening to me. Let's talk about me for a minute. All right? This is a personal experience that I'm having. Over the weekend, I wrote a piece. It was kind of based on one of the shows I did. It was called... Uh, uh, President Troll on the Planet Hysteria. And it was the most read piece, as several of my pieces I'm proud to announce, was the most read piece. I wrote it for PJ Media, but it was on Real Clear Politics, and it was the most read piece on Real Clear Politics that day. And all weekend long, I got attacked by the Trumpers, okay? And the Trumpers were writing me, sending in comments and all this stuff. You're a, you're a rhino. You're not a real Trump supporter. You're dishing our president and all this stuff. And it was about, you know, it was all the stuff I say on the show that, yes, President Trump has many flaws and he does all these things that are wrong, but the press has gone, has, has become hysterical and they are just attacking him in ways that don't really make sense in terms of, for instance, the way they covered, oh, let's just say Barack Obama. You know, so it's kind of, it is the way they cover George W. Bush, but it's amped up to shrill. Yesterday, I did a show basically talking about some of this and some of the things that I see the press doing. And then people started attacking me for being a Trump, you know, uh, apologist, that everything Trump does, I make an excuse for. So I'm getting it from both sides. OK, now that that can either be a good sign or a bad sign. That either means you're an idiot and everybody can see you're an idiot or it means that you're actually telling the truth and you're offending everybody. And I want to at least try to explain why I am saying the things that I'm saying, because it's not about Donald Trump to me. See, I think people have Trump blindness. I think Trump is a big, eccentric, interesting character. and I'm all in favor of talking about that. But that's not what's going on. That is not the let, let's put it this way. Everybody has to pick what the story is. Everybody says, oh, the real story is this or the real story is that. And I do not think right this minute that the real story is Donald Trump. Donald Trump is a flawed guy. I've been saying this forever. And there are things about him that I really hate. I had, I had a, 
about a 5% fear when I voted for Donald Trump, and I voted for him because I thought Hillary I had a 100% fear of what Hillary was, I had a 5% fear that Donald Trump was Hitler. <laughs> They're always saying, oh, Republican presidents are always Hitler. I thought, this guy, I'm pretty sure, 95% sure that's not true, but I got this little bit of a doubt in there, okay? So I, so I voted for him, you know, kind of squinting my eyes and kind of reaching out to the vo- in the voting booth and, you know, taking the hit of this 5% fear. That 5% fear is now largely gone. I do not think even think he's much of an authoritarian. I mean, I think he's acting well within the guidelines of the American Constitution. I don't think he's usurped anybody's power. I don't think he's stepped on anybody. Nobody is getting arrested for making a video in the dead of night as they did during the Trump, during the Obama administration. Uh, no reporter has uh, reported getting bugged as they did during the Obama administration. You know, so I see him acting within certain parameters that, that, that are really important to me, the parameters of the Constitution. Those are really important to me. So my fear about him has kind of receded. Now, do I agree with everything he does? By no means do I agree with everything he does. He's far to the left of me. He has very, very Democrat, big government instincts that make me crazy. I don't like it, all that. But still, acting within those parameters. Plus, when I, when I voted for him, I said that my best guess was that he was going to be a kind of mediocre, middle-of-the-road president. He's been better than that because he's done some things to the right that I really like, like the rolling back uh, regulations and, of course, the appointment of the judges, uh, Gorsuch and the other judges he's put on. So why do I keep not attacking him? Why am I not picking on everything he does and saying, well, this was wrong and that was wrong and this was wrong? It's because I feel that the press and the state, meaning the permanent state, I don't know what to call them. This phrase deep state sounds like too much of a thriller novel, but the permanent state, we'll call it the bureaucracy, and the press are teaming up to overthrow the results of an American election. People elected this guy. Which people? Do you have that map? Do you have the map of the election? Which people voted for him? Those people, all those people between (laughs) Manhattan and L.A., like all of them, like Trump won by 7 million, I think, people in the heartland of America. All those people voted for him, and the press has gone insane, and the state, the bureaucracy, has gone insane. You remember what what Trump said during his inaugural, remember his dark inaugural address? Do we have just that one quick cut of Trump during the inaugural number eight? Today, we are not merely transferring power from one administration to another, or from one party to another, but we are transferring power from Washington, D.C., and giving it back to you, the people. Power doesn't like when you do that, okay? It does not like it. Now, if Trump were Hitler, if I thought Trump was really a bad guy who was going to subvert our country and subvert our Constitution, then it would all be about him. But since it's not, and I, can, I could sit here and say, oh, I agree with this and, agree, and disagree with that, and this he did wrong, and this he did right, and I like this, you know, the good Trump, bad Trump thing, which I think is fine. I, I think that's fine. But Trump, to me, is a manifestation of what they call a cri de coeur, a cry from the heart of the American people. They they sensed something was going terribly, terribly wrong with the direction we were going, and it was Trump who enunciated it. Now, did he enunciate it out of of cynicism? Was he just picking up on it and repeating it back to them? That's, That's a good question. We can talk about that another time. But he was that cry from the American people. And it's that cry, it's that cry that our media, which is a Democrat hack machine, and the bureaucracy are 
fighting against and trying to overturn. And that's why I keep talking about that. It's not to, it's not to apologize for Trump. It has nothing to do with Donald Trump for me. It has to do with the manifestation of that cry of the people. And I'll talk about that a little bit more. But let me just talk about yesterday's latest great big scandal. All right. Every day is a great big scandal. And I'm sorry, but for me, the president firing Comey may have been badly handled, but that's not a scandal. When the president fires a guy who works at his pleasure, that is not a scandal. I'm sorry. If, if I thought it was going to overturn an investigation, yes, scandal. It, will it? No. Absolutely not. There's absolutely no way that firing James Comey. I mean, if, if Trump now appoints Ivanka, like I said, to the FBI, then then that's a scandal. But if he appoints what, we're, what we suspect he will, some typical, uh, you know, law enforcement guy or something like that, it's going to be fine. All the investigations that have turned up nothing for the last 10 months will still go on. The press will still be able to blow them out of proportion. So yesterday, Remember that Trump was got, it seemed to me like a troll. He was sort of trolling the press by meeting with the Russian ambassador and the Russian foreign minister. Yesterday, the Washington Post breaks a story that obviously it's a, it's a complicated story. But the basic idea of it was during this meeting where Tillerson was there and McMaster were there, was there that Trump said something about information we had from which the Russians could have deduced that we had a partner in the Middle East who had given us this information. And the partner in the Middle East obviously didn't want to be revealed. We don't, so we don't know this. We have no idea whether this is true or not. We do know that it's virtually impossible for Trump to reveal classified information because Trump's the president. He can say it's not classified anytime he wants, right? But the idea is he might have shared some information from which they could deduce a source in the Middle East. Well, how, you know, how do they know this? I mean, first, let, let's go back. We, we're getting these denials from McMaster, one of the only two important people who was there. He's the national security advisor. So here he is. Let's get him today. Yesterday, he made a quick speech. But let's look at that number 12 today where he was facing. Uh, I think this is Karen Tumulty from The Washington Post who broke the story. Sir, I just want to um, try to dig into some details of this reporting on the president's conversations with the Russians. Are you denying that he revealed information that was given to the U.S. by uh, an intelligence partner? So uh, what, I, what we don't do is discuss what is and what wasn't classified. What I will tell you is in the context of that, that, uh, that discussion, what the president discussed with the foreign minister was wholly appropriate to that conversation and is consistent with the routine sharing of information between the president and, and any leaders with whom he's engaged. But was it information and, and the U.S. received from an intelligence partner? I, I'm not going to be the one to confirm, the, the confirm uh, that, that sort of information that could, that could jeopardize. It could jeopardize our security. U.S. allies that do have these type of intelligence sharing relationships with the U.S. will stop providing that information? No, I'm not concerned at all. The, the, that conversation was wholly appropriate to the conversation, and I think wholly appropriate what the expectations are of our intelligence partners. Okay, so at the same time, we're going to stay on Facebook and YouTube so you can hear Christian Toto talking about the movies from uh, uh, Hollywood and Toto, but let's finish this first. I mean, so there he is, McMaster, saying this didn't happen. Uh, basically, it was all totally appropriate. Trump tweets, as president, I wanted to share with Russia at an openly scheduled White House meeting, which I have the absolute right to do, facts pertaining to terrorism and airline flight safety, humanitarian reasons, plus I wanted Russia to greatly step up their fight against ISIS and terrorism. 
Worst case scenario, it sounds to me like he told them something that maybe, you know, maybe they can deduce something. I, I'm not, I don't know. These are anonymous sources who weren't in the meeting. Anonymous sources who weren't in the meeting calling up the people in the meeting saying nothing bad happened, but it's hard to parse, you know, there's no way to deny something, so you can't say the guy is parsing parsing it. They used to do this to people all the time. However, here's my question. If it's true that somebody in, in the administration after this meeting came out, somebody in the meeting said, we better call up the CIA and make sure they know about this. So they call up the CIA. Let's say you're in the CIA. You get this call, and you think, oh, man, he, this guy, this clown really made a blooper here, really did a dumb thing. You know, inexperienced president, non-politician, doesn't really listen to his briefings, really made a dumb mistake. What's the first call you're going to make? The Washington Post? You know, if you're a patriot, is that who you're going to call? The Washington Post had it. The Washington Post had it. Then the New York Times had it. Then BuzzFeed had it. And then the Wall Street Journal had it. These guys are after the president. They are trying to bring him down. And listen to the way the Wall Street Journal, not a uh, it's not a left wing paper, but it's news sort. It's news reporting is to the left, though its op eds are to the right. Here's here's the way they said this. This was the latest in a string of controversy, all stemming from investigations into Mr. Trump's associates and presidential campaign over ties to Russia. Now, I ask you, how is that stemming from that? How does this stem from that? The next sentence is, Mr. Trump last week fired Mr. Comey, who was heading up the investigation into the ties between Trump associates and Russia and testifying about the probe. All I'm saying is that's, that is narrative writing. That is telling you that this is somehow connected to this investigation and Comey was fired to stop this investigation. This is a narrative writing. And the idea here is not that you believe each and every scandal when the when the Russian narrative, Comey was fired to kill the Russian investigation narrative, when that really became illogical and stupid, the next narrative comes along. And the thing is to keep up a constant Trump beat of hysteria so that when Trump, who, let's face it, is a chaotic guy, he's a chaotic guy, he may be a bit of a bumbler, he's certainly inexperienced, he, he talks, he's got a big mouth. So when he really does something wrong, right, when he really makes a mistake, and as every president does, the atmosphere will be like, it will be like leaked gas and it'll be like a spark going off and it'll blow up. That's the point. That's what they did to George W. Bush with Hurricane Katrina. It was one fake non-scandal scandal after another. And then when he did make some mistakes during Hurricane Katrina, although all the reporting about it, about Katrina, what was happening in New Orleans, it all turned out to be ridiculous and false. Bush did make a couple of errors. They got him, you know, because there was this atmosphere that this has been going wrong and wrong and wrong and wrong. And now, look, the whole disaster has blown up. And that's what they're trying to do to this guy. And all I'm asking is, is to ask yourself why that's happening. Forget about Trump. Forget about his personality. Forget about he does this, how he treats women. Forget all that stuff. Is he right? Is this is his infrastructure program too far to the left? Is his are his judges too far to the right? Does he? think too much of Putin. Forget about all of it. He's a manifestation of a cry from the people who were left behind. And those people are all the people in between New York and L.A. They are all the people who are not being taught, addressed by the bureaucracy. They're all the people who globalization has shafted. And the thing about globalization is that it's not just the left who likes globalization. It's conservatives, too, because it's free trade and it kind of it kind of gives a, a, a poke in the eye to the unions. It basically says to the unions, oh, you asked for, so, you know, 
I would I would say conservatives don't necessarily dislike unions, but they're union suspicious, as they should be, because unions are a necessary evil. Both of those things are true. They're, this is not public sector unions, which are a complete scam, but private unions are both necessary and evil. You know, they ask for too much. They destroy industries, they destroy jobs, but without them, we know that people get abused, okay? So they are a necessary evil. So conservatives kind of like globalization, but think about this for a minute. Globalization means that if I can have my one piece of my iPhone made in Indochina and one piece of my iPhone made here and there and another place, I can assemble these all together while I, the manager, the, the top guy, the intellectual guy, the elite guy, I make a fortune and you get a cheaper iPhone, which is great, but the guys who made those things in America get shafted. They get shafted. And the thing about it is, is the thing that made me an intellectual, that made me, that made the country, that turned me into the smart, wonderful guy I am who's making so much money, that, that was done by those workers who are getting shafted now. And they are screaming. They are screaming that while you, while the president of the United States was talking about who gets to use the bathroom in their school, you know, you guys ignored us. We want somebody to speak for us. We're tired of the immigrants coming into our communities. We're tired of you not, you telling us who to like and what to be like and what marriage is. And we're tired of all that stuff. We just want the economy to work again. Obama was the first president ever who never had an economy growing at 3%. These people got shafted. They got shafted by the left. They got shafted by the right. They got shafted by globalization. They were left behind. And now they're speaking out. And as Trump said, they want the power returned to the people. And the power doesn't like that. And that is why I'm hammering the press, because I feel what they are doing is unpatriotic. It's dishonest and it's wrong. And it has nothing to do with Donald Trump. Donald Trump has his good days and has his bad days. I hope he has more good days than bad days. But what is going on is wrong. This is an attempt to overturn the results of an honest legal election. And the press should be ashamed of themselves. And they should be, we should fight. It's, it's too bad the right has for too long let the press go the way it goes because we don't have the instruments to investigate the, the way they do. We can only commentate like this. And so that's what I'm doing. All right, let's bring on Christian. Is, have we got him? Oh, yeah. No, good. All right, I'm sorry. Christian, you've been waiting. Christian Toto is an award-winning journalist, film critic, and podcaster. He's the founder of HollywoodInToto.com and host of the weekly Hollywood in Toto podcast, HIT podcast, which offers a right-of-center perspective on entertainment news, which makes you virtually unique. And so it makes you virtually unique because you're the only person. Christian is one of the few people who actually understands the entertainment industry and talks about it from the right. He's got movie reviews uh, on several radio stations across the country, including WTOP. FM in Washington. He also co-hosts Denver's Mike Rosen at the Movies Radio Show on KOA News Radio, as well as the weekly Holly Weird segment on the Michael Brown Show. Find him on Twitter at Hollywood in Toto. T O T O. How you doing, Christian? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> that was a long, long <laughs> introduction, enough. but I wanted to tell people because not people don't hear about you enough because like it's it's just so rare that somebody talking on the right uh, knows what he's talking about. So it's <laughs> it's always good to talk to you about. So you wrote a piece that I just thought was terrific, called How Reporters Hide Damning Info on Liberal Stars. And this is a question that I think a lot of us on the right worry about. Why can these guys, you know, why can they get away with saying the stuff they say? Why can the left, left-wing stars, why don't they suffer at the box office and so on, or do they? Well, it's two things. One, the media does cover up for them. So not enough people know about it. If people knew what Joss Whedon, the director of the Avengers, says on Twitter, they would be aghast. I mean, I have liberal friends who I share it with on Twitter, 
and they're horrified by what he says. I mean, he weaponized cancer-stricken teens to make fun of Paul Ryan and Donald Trump. That was one of his more recent but things. Tell that, tell that story so people know what, what it is. So Paul Ryan was meeting with some cancer-stricken teens. And I forget the specific context, but he, it was a picture that Ryan had tweeted out with him and the teens, just talking about what he was up to, you know, reaching out to different sort of constituents. Joss Whedon retweeted that and said uh, something about how Donald Trump was looking for a new wife or a new girlfriend, but these these aren't exactly tens. So he was mocking the looks of these young teenagers in order to attack Trump. I mean, it was a gas. Even Whedon, who is reprehensible on Twitter, eventually took it down, but it took a while. And and he just said on Mother's Day, he what was his post on Mother's Day about uh, I'm glad my mother's dead or something like this? Because because she won't see this sort of this this expletive filled country that we're in right now. Okay, yeah. So now and that's sweet. I mean, that's a real. I mean, that's what you want to share with your mom. <laughs> sure, his mom would have appreciated. So so Joss Whedon. What what is? Do you know what he's up to at the moment? I mean, he's a big time guy, right? You know, he's between projects, but he's in serious discussions. If it hasn't been already inked, to direct a Batgirl film again. He is Mr. Comic-Con geek. Right. He's very talented. He's very good at what he does. So it's a perfect project for him. So, but people don't know about this other side of him, So why, why don't they know? Well, because if you look at The Hollywood Reporter and Deadline.com and all these major websites, they don't report on it. They ah. ignore it. Okay. But if Scott Bayo, who is not the biggest star in the galaxy, I'm sad to say, if he mentioned something about Erin Moran dying and, and maybe accusing her of being, you know, dabbling in drugs in her final days incorrectly, that's mainstream news. That's all over. That he has to apologize for. So these guys are running interference for the for these guys. I mean, I remember Madonna. All right, she made that speech about blowing up the White House. One can only imagine what would have happened if somebody had said that. I mean, I remember a clown, a rodeo clown, said something about Obama and lost his job, basically. Yeah, he had death threats against him, too, that clown. <laughs> so did they? Did these guys feel, I mean, well, Joss Whedon, when his movie comes out, when his, whatever his next project comes out, will he suffer at the box office for this? You know, I don't think so. And part of it, because the projects like that are so big and the brand is so strong and the connection to the audience is more about the superheroes and, and sort of the saving the day that I think really hardcore conservatives who are involved in this and invest in this will not be enough to kind of sway the box office. Now, every case is different. Like Amy Schumer, I think she's basically made her brand toxic because she's been so aggressive and so partisan and so mean-spirited so that when her new movie comes out, it's going to have a harder time at the box office because so many people are aghast at her. So it will suffer. But, you know, a big franchise superhero brand, I think it's more, it's much more bulletproof, frankly. Yeah. I mean, now, Schumer, didn't Schumer get attacked from the left, though, in her last movie, the movie she made with Goldie Hawn? It's amazing. They said it was racist. It was insensitive. It was, it was white girls going off to a foreign land and getting trouble and and meeting people uh, who had brown skin who were bad. Frankly, I defended her. It's a mediocre <laughs> movie, but it's not racist. Yeah. I mean, you can have a character from America go to a foreign land and get kidnapped. You can't just wipe that out as a possibility. That is a story point. It could be good. It could be bad. It could be in between. But you can't say that that can't be done unless they unless they have more empowered people of color or in case you change the color of the stars it's it's absurd well that's all they see but, you know, no one's immune so what's that that's all they see is the color is people's color yes, i mean yes. it, leftism is racism essentially yeah. so how bad i mean recently this show and i have to admit i have not watched the show um uh gosh I, 
Last, last Man Standing. Yes, Last Man Standing. It was canceled. I, I know that it was an, a very fiercely anti-Obama show, or at least the lead character would talk about, you know, b- being against Obama and all this stuff. And it got canceled. It's been on for a long time, right? It was on for yeah, years. Six years. Six years. Is that? I mean, everybody's up in arms about this. It was a very popular show. Is that an economic decision, or do you think it's a political decision? I think it's both. The, the sort of the ABC is saying that the the costs were getting too high. But was there a negotiation period? Hmm. Was there sort of a give and take? I mean, a lot of times there's a lot of wiggle room in these shows where you can say, okay, we can adjust the salaries. We can kind of maybe have different partners producing, kind of defray the costs. This is a show with very strong ratings. You know, after the election, some studio heads genuinely said, hey, maybe there's a part of the country we're not addressing. Maybe we need to think about that, make more content that speaks to them. And then they cancel Last Man Standing, which is one of the few shows that does that directly. And just before we got the, on the air here, Tim Allen tweeted out he was blindsided by ABC. Really? So he took a few days to comment on it, but he just sent it out via Twitter. So Wow. Very so he, he did not know this was going to happen. Yeah. And this was I think this might be his first comment of any capacity. But wow. the bottom line is that this is a show that is rare yeah. with good ratings and a big star and an audience. And an anchor for your, your network. Why would you want to kill it? You know, one of the things that bothers me about this, can, can we play a cut while the Christian is on? Yeah. One of the things that really bothers me about this, take a look at this, um, at this Colbert cut. This is Colbert last night. You got it? I have something to say here. Donald Trump, if you're watching, first of all, you're a bad president. Please resign. Second of all... <laughs> So here, here's what I worry about, all right? When, when the, Wait, I'm, I'm still laughing. Hold on. I know, I know. The hilarity <laughs> never ceases. <laughs> um, you know, the right quite reasonably gets so disgusted with this stuff mm-hmm. that they essentially turn their back and walk away. And I get this every time I talk about this. I get emails and comments saying, oh, I never go to the movies anymore. I don't watch TV anymore. They're all this leftist, you know, garbage and all this stuff. But meanwhile, Colbert is essentially training his audience to cheer at a remark like that. I mean, oh, by what? But, you know, it's, it's not a funny remark. It's it's like the guy is a professional clown telling the president to resign. I mean, can you imagine somebody? There's not one comic on late night who's not to the left of center. Not one. And all that's like five to seven comics. I've lost count. Uh-huh. It, it bothers me that um, that the right is deserting, basically, the entertainment media. So they have no, you know, Colbert has no reason to speak to the right because his audience is, is growing because all the lefties are going there. So... What's the answer? I mean, is, is there stuff, for instance, have you seen anything recently that you've loved that you just thought spoke to you as a conservative? You know, not as a conservative, as a moviegoer, okay. for sure. Actually, the movie Get Out was interesting, kind of poked a little fun at progressives. I thought their, so, too. Yeah. There's pseudo racism or their actual racism disguised as sort of tolerance. And, and the infiltrator came out late last year. It's on Amazon Prime. It's very good. But as far as sort of things with a right of center bent, I, I, I'd i be hard-pressed to come up with that. Hmm. But, uh, I, you know, I actually had a story at Hollywood and Toto a couple of days ago. Why is no channel putting on a right-of-center talk show host? Isn't it amazing? They've got Jim, Jim Jeffries is coming soon. He's a liberal. Sarah Silverman's coming up soon. She's a liberal. You've got an entire array of people who are all left-of-center or worse. I mean, just economically speaking, 
You get half the country. Who wouldn't you? What conservative wouldn't tune in for that? Even if the jokes are mediocre, even if the guy or gal was was flat footed at first. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's such a hunger for that. It's why Fox News, warts and all, is successful. Right. And And how no entrepreneur, no streaming service can say, hey, this is a no brainer. Right. And nobody I mean, nobody's imitated even South Park, which is at least a libertarian show. Yeah. And, And nobody has done anything for younger people, basically. You know, Fox News must have an audience from 60 to dead. I mean, Blue Bloods, you know, Blue Bloods, which is a very is a, a fairly conservative show. It's mm-hmm. still it's a show for older people, which is fine. You know, it's not like that audience shouldn't be served. But I find young people to be very antic and libertarian. They want to be left alone. They think people should be free. They they get mm-hmm. that message. And I and I just don't understand why we don't um, fill up that space somehow. Well, it's the power brokers in Hollywood are left of center. They will fund different projects. I mean, you think about what they do fund. Remember a couple of years ago that movie Truth with Dan, the Dan Rather story? Yeah. yeah. Who, who in their right mind thought, you know what? That's a box office hit. Yeah. No, they it, wanted to tell the story and they wanted to reframe the narrative. That's yep. what the point was. Yeah, that's It right. doesn't even matter that it failed right. because that movie's going to pop up on cable and streaming services for the next 50 years. Right. And that narrative will be pushed against the truth. And that's why, like, The Path to 9-11 by Cyrus Nawasta, which basically told the truth about Bill Clinton not killing Osama bin Laden when he had the chance, it's never been released on DVD. The Disney company will not let that happen as long as a Clint, any Clinton might run for president, which is forever. That's <laughs> right. So what's, is there anything coming up that you want to, before you go, let me ask you about anything, uh, any films coming up that we should look forward to? You, you know, Alien Covenant comes out this week, yes. and uh, Ridley Scott's behind the camera again. He, of course, he created Alien. He also did Prometheus, which was not that good. He actually recently had a mea culpa about that one. So I'm kind of curious about that. You know, other films, it's summer blockbuster season. I mean, Spider-Man Homecoming. It's the, you know, this is kind of the silly season when it comes to films. So nothing is kind of really, truly kind of getting me too excited. I'd say War for the Planet of the Apes maybe kind of fits that bill. Yeah. Because those first two films have been very solid, very thoughtful, really good science fiction. So I'm hopeful for that. Woody Harrelson's the star here. Of course, the real star of the apes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. We'll see. Well, uh, you know, and I'm the only person in America who didn't like Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2. So no, you can no. Say, everybody no, saw it here and didn't like it either. They, they, uh, oh. they said it was kind of a bomb. <laughs> <Good>. <laughs> All, right. All right. Christian Toto from Toto, uh, from Hollywood in Toto. It's good to see you. And uh, we'll do this again. Sounds good. Thanks. All right. Thanks a lot. It, it really is. It really is so unfair the way uh, that's uh, Christian Toto. Find him in Hollywoodintoto.com and also on Twitter at Hollywood in Toto uh, writes really good stuff. And it's just, you know, too many of our people just are, have abandoned uh, Hollywood and the entertainment industry completely so that the people only people left commenting don't know what they're talking about. But I, the thing about Christian is he actually likes the movies. He knows good movies when he sees them and uh, it makes a big difference. All right. Stuff I like. Uh, you know, I, I want to talk about this film. I, this is the other of the small films I watched over the weekend. And I really liked it. I will warn you that my wife found it a little slow, so it may be a guy film in some way that I didn't realize. But this is a movie about capitalism. And what I liked about it is that it got both the good and the bad of capitalism. And I always talk about, you know, we systems are like language. You know, the language never quite expresses the deepest things. You know, you can't really talk about God, about love, about all the most important things because language is a rude tool and systems are the same way. Capitalism is the closest we've ever come to a free market system, but it has a lot of flaws. It does, you know, overdo 
overdo things sometimes. Uh, you know, we talk about, somebody asked me recently, a young person asked me recently, I frequently say that the idea of objectifying women is a false idea made to make men's natural urges and lusts and desires made to make them sound like they're bad, like it's bad that men like to look at pretty girls. Oh, that's objectifying women. And somebody said, well, is, don't commercials where they show, sell you a product with a beautiful girl, isn't that objectifying women? And I said, you know, commercials, that's objectifying men. It's essentially saying to them, oh, look at this, you can have this girl if you buy our car, which is not nonsense, you know? So, so essentially, that's all commercials do that. And commercials do, in fact, cheapen our discourse, and we like, we've come to accept them. We've come to accept the way they manipulate us. That's that's one thing that capitalism does that's not so good, the way it sells drugs so that they invent a drug that maybe helps people who have a chemical imbalance and are depressed, and they start to sell it to you like if you're depressed at any time and all this. So here's a movie that just gets this right. It's called The Founder, and you may not – has anybody seen it? No, I want to. No. Okay, and it's, uh, it's about Ray Kroc who basically discovered – two brothers selling hamburgers. The two brothers were named McDonald's and he discovered them and he took this idea and he saw what a great idea it was. And he took it to the, obviously to the next level. And it is about the good of that and the incredible creativity that capitalism inspires and rewards. And it's about how that creativity gets somewhat corrupted as things get bigger and bigger and bigger because it is part of capitalism that things get bigger and bigger and bigger. Michael Keaton is the star and other great performance. He's really a terrific actor and he's had a kind of renaissance recently. Um, he plays Ray Kroc and here's a sequence, this terrific sequence where what he realizes they're having a hard time as they get bigger and bigger they're having a hard time keeping the standard of the restaurant up and this is very important to these McDonald brothers that these restaurants keep a high standard and Kroc suddenly has an inspiration. He suddenly realizes that there are people in America called Americans who want to do a good job because they have good values. And he goes out and he starts to collect people to franchise, to run these franchises, who he knows will be good at what they do because they believe in the American values. And he goes out and sells them. And this is a montage of him selling McDonald franchises to, you know, lodges, temples, synagogues, any color, he doesn't care, he's not, no, no racism, doesn't, couldn't care less, just wants people to take over these restaurants. Here's the founder starring Michael Keaton. I'm gonna give you three words. I want you to take those three words home with you tonight. McDonald's is family. Isn't that great? You know what I say when I say that? Family. We're one big family. Barbie. You got mouths to feed. That's a family. I'm looking for a few good men and women who aren't afraid of hard work, aren't afraid to roll up their sleeves. It's cliche, I know, but I'm looking for scrap hustlers. Guys who are willing to roll up their sleeves. People with a little drive. They got a little fire in the belly. Got a little chutzpah. I stand right here before you today, and I'm going to offer you something as precious as gold. You know what that is? Anybody. Anybody. Opportunity. It's opportunity. Opportunity. Opportunity to advance. To move forward. To move up. To advance. To succeed. 
to win. The step up. The sky's the limit. The sky's the limit. Grab the brass so ring. Give yourself a shot at the American dream. Put your arms around the American dream. Opportunity. Because I'll tell you something. At McDonald's, just like this great nation of ours. Some of that elbow grease. I guarantee you. If you've got the guts, you've got the gumption, you've got the desire, I guarantee you, you can succeed. There's gold to be had at the end of those golden arches. Golden arches. Golden arches. Now who's with me? Who wants to jump on that ladder to success? Become part of the, the McDonald's shpucha. Now who's with me? <laughs> He's talking Yiddish to the Jewish people. He doesn't care, you know. He just like, anyway, it, it is a really, really good movie about the beauty of capitalism. I mean, there are moments in it when you just marvel at the wit and understanding of ordinary people to create things that other people want and need and the values and all that and how those values can get lost as capitalism has to make things bigger and bigger and bigger. It really is a terrific picture, and, um, I, and the, uh, the performance is great. All right. That's it. Tomorrow, the mailbag. The mailbag. Come on. Got to get those letters in. You got to uh, subscribe to thedailywire.com for a lousy eight bucks a month. And then you can ask your questions. Answers are guaranteed 100% correct and will change your life occasionally for the better. I'm Andrew Clavin. This is The Andrew Clavin Show. Be there tomorrow.